This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for the times we live in. You know, I kind of think about my life when I got born again. I wasn't, I wasn't from a religious family that knew Jesus. I was from a center family of thugs, bootleggers, and didn't really have any dopers back then much, at least up in Indianapolis, but we had, had a lot of, a lot of alkies, a lot of boozers and mean guys like that. That was my background. And so, when I heard the gospel, I knew I needed a savior. I knew that I wasn't a good person. And so many people today, they're raised in good moral families, but a lot of them aren't made raised in families that know about Jesus, not born-again people. So when they, they don't know they need a Savior. And so for me, when I found out at 28 and a half years old that Jesus Christ was a real person, I gave my life to Him. As this 28 and a half years old till now, I've followed Jesus, I've loved Jesus, I've served Jesus, and I've made lots of mistakes that I missed it lots of times. But I always knew the difference between now and where I used to live at is there's somebody that I can talk to as not just a puff of smoke in the air. It's a real person named Jesus. And God the Father is real. And I know that when I pray and when I'm by myself or with people, it's not just a faith by imagination. It's a faith by the Word of God. He said He's always with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. If I ask anything His name, He'll do it. Amen. And so I'm so grateful today to know in the times we live in, we watch a lot of cowboy shows based on what our TV is. We watch westerns, old westerns, stuff like that. And a lot of people think about the good old days. Well, I look at those days back then, man. The life expectancy, an old man was 40 years old. By 50, 60 years old, they were ancient and they died. Bad water, no modern conveniences. People lived in the desert, died all the time of heat, no water and things like that. To me, that wasn't the good old days. It looks fun and stuff like that. But I'm so grateful God had me be born in the times we live in today. Amen. And I think about the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, the disciples stood and they watched Jesus go up in a cloud. They got to see him go up. But then an angel appeared to him and said, what are you looking for? That same Jesus coming back. Just like you saw him go up. And so I'm grateful to know that they got to be a part of the start. But I get to be on the finish. Amen. And so we, as Christians, we need to be excited. Amen. You know, our theme verse for the, for the year, which I'm going to write, well, I get to write a verse up here. Katie, can I write one too? Thank you. Well, I get to write a verse up here. Jeremiah 29 11. I know that God has a good plan for my life. I know that my life is a video, it's not a snapshot. Because the difference between a video and a snapshot is this. I've had some frames in my life that were very, 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 not like dream, dream, dream scenes. They were nightmare scenes. I went through scenes of life for the last 66 years. And the last 37 and a half years as a believer, there have been some times that I felt like you know, the curse was on me. Man, I wish to God it was morning. I wish to God it was night. Just living through not to play things. But you know what I found out in the Bible? There's a really good verse that's repeated several times. says, and it came to pass. And this too shall come to pass. So in my life, over the spectrum of my life, 
If I focused on where I was now at a bad time, I'd die right there. But I realize this is just one little segment. I got a video I'm looking at. And so as I go through the video, there's been times that uh, I needed some things in my family to change. There's been times when I needed financial things to change. There's been times I needed job things to change. There's been times I needed ministry things to change. But I realized I can't camp out here. This is just a season. It's going to end. And things are going to change for the better again. And so I've learned in my Christian life, no matter what's going on, if I just keep on doing what I know to do. I sleep. I eat. I get up. I pray. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pay tithes. I do everything I can to treat people right. I try to keep my relationship with Jesus current and fresh. As I do that, I know that where I'm at, I'm not going to camp out here. I'm going to keep on moving on. And so I know that, praise God, I want the good things all the time. But sometimes, because we have an enemy, we're going to look at the word in just a minute. Sometimes, because we have an enemy of our faith out there, I realize that sometimes it's not easy going. I have to know what to do to fight the good fight of faith. And so that's where we look at today. And if you happen to be in one of those seasons right now where you're thinking, man, I wish this had in. Wow, this is not right. This shouldn't be happening to me. Well, praise God that he gave us the name of Jesus. He gave us the word of God to show us what to do. He gave us a will on the inside of us. And we can choose if our will, we're going to walk away from God because we're mad. Or we can choose to say, wait a minute, God's not my enemy, God's for me. And so I'm going to run straight to Him. I'm going to run to God. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be a blessing. That's what I'm going to do. And I get up tomorrow, if things are worse, I'm going to say, praise the Lord, I love you, Jesus. If I get up the next day and think, man, it couldn't get any worse than yesterday, but another hit come today... I'm going to say, praise the Lord, you're good, Lord. Your mercy endures forever. I'm going to love you, Jesus. I'm going to serve you. I say, man, I know tomorrow's going to change. And then tomorrow doesn't change. It still doesn't look good. I'm going to say, I praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. And you know what? The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. And so that's, that, that's a word for you, whoever you are. Now, whatever's going on. Don't let yourself in your mind give up and think it's over. It is not over till you take your last breath. Amen. And then just make sure you're born again and get right in the arms of Jesus for sure. Hallelujah. Somebody clap and give the Lord a hand. Amen. Well, on your outline, you notice it says how to fight the good fight of faith. I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Amen. You know, I like something Brother Hagin said years ago. You know, got a little uh, cheers going for the Word of God. There's this. He said, your attitude towards the Word of God is your attitude towards Jesus. And he said, when you show him you're excited about his Word, you're showing him you're excited about him. And I, I know that a long time ago, way back in the early 80s, before we had all the modern entertainment stuff we got now, that about the only way you can hear preachers other than in church was to turn on the TV set to a Christian uh, TV station. There wasn't a whole lot of them around. But a man of God said this one time. I don't know who it was. It always stuck with me. He said, if you're watching a man of God on TV, preacher or a woman of God, said you need to treat them just like you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, even if it's on TV. 
So if you hear a man of God preaching at a church, he's preaching the Bible, you need to give him the same respect and attention you give Jesus because it's his words coming to you. And so I realized that when I was watching a TV preacher teaching me the word of God, it wasn't entertainment. It was Jesus wanted to say something to me. So it wasn't my fun time and my play time and all those kind of things. I would sit down with my Bible open and my notebook right there. And I would act like I was in church and Jesus was talking to me because I believed he was. And so I would sit down and I would respect the man of God on television. And it wasn't popcorn and playtime. I wanted to hear something from God. And that helped my life to stay in a victory lane to where I could always know what to do because I always learned to honor the word of God. As if God himself were talking to me. Because how many, how many believe the Bible is God talking? Amen. And so whether you read it yourself or a minister share the word of God with you, those are God-inspired words. God, by the Holy Spirit, put things in the heart of men. And they wrote down what God put their heart to say. And those words are alive. They're real. And when you're in a, when you're, when you're in a spirit-filled church... Where people are honoring God, honoring the Holy Spirit, God can say things to the heart of every person in that service. And I think about God, how awesome He is. No, Jesus said He knows the number of every hair in your head. Knows the number of every hair. At one time the Lord told me, I didn't say He knows how many hairs are on your head, because some people don't have any. He said, I know the number on every hair. And so when he said that to me, and I thought about all the billions of people in the world, no matter who they are, our God is so awesome that I know that when, when I do my hair, I got, I got a little special brush I do mine with. But anyway, sometimes I look at that little brush right there, I say, Lord, is that number 2,982 just came out? Lord, is that number 5,620? What's the number on that with Jesus? And so I said that to say this, no matter who you are right now, God knows everything in your life right now. God wants, and I'm not saying that in a put-down way, I'm saying that in a very positive way. God knows what you need. God knows how much of it you need. He knows when you need it. He knows how to get it to you. And I think about the way he did some things in the Bible that are so awesome, because we sometimes limit God to our understanding of how we know things work. How many of you have ever went fishing to pay your taxes? That's what Jesus told Peter to do. He said, Peter, we got some taxes to pay. He said, go down and go fishing, Peter. And the first one you pull out, reach in his mouth. And you're going to find enough money in that fish is about to pay our taxes. Amen. How many of you have ever been in the desert and thirsty... And you went over and you hit a rock and got water out of the feet to, to give water to millions of people. That's what God told Moses to do. And so I'm saying this. Don't limit God to what you know how you think things would be. God can do what God wants to do. Your only job is you live for him. You serve him. You love him. You obey. You miss it. You don't give up. You just stand back up and say, well, Lord, that's one way it don't work. We won't do that again. I've had to do that too many times. And so when I find out don't, what doesn't work, I don't go back and do it again. Amen. And so we're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. 
And so he says in 1 Timothy 6.12 right here. This is the Holy Spirit through Timothy talking to us. He says, fight other Christians. Well, how come so many Christians fight each other? That's not what he said. Fight politicians. He didn't say that. Fight people you work with. No. I want to tell you, see, that's the reason so many Christians never get victory. They want to fight everything except what God said to fight. He said, fight the good fight of faith. And I like, I like what I heard a man say one time. What's a good fight? Well, you guys in the military, you can tell me what a good fight is. A good fight is when you walk away and you're not hurt and the enemy is wounded or dead. That's a good fight when you won. A good fight is one when you're not laying down there and your whoops said, boy, I fought a good fight. And you're all beat up that bad, you're laying down there and the enemy's walking away. You didn't fight a good fight, you lost. And so fight the good fight of faith. The good fight of faith means when you went through a battle, you came out and you won. And you've got a testimony that this tried to happen to me, but Jesus came through and we won. Amen. And so that's what we're talking about for the Bible. When you fight a good fight, that's a fight you won. That's not the fight you lost. If you, if you lost one, don't give up. Amen. The battle goes on as long as you're living. The battle's there. But you learn more and more how to win. So that's what we're going to look at. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And we're going to talk about that because they go hand in hand. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called... As professed or confessed a good confession before many witnesses. So fight the good fight of faith, lay hold eternal life. These are two things I want to point out. Number one, the number one battle that believers have is the faith fight. The number one battle that you have is the faith fight. And the number two, it's in conjunction with number one, is lay hold on eternal life. And I want to explain a little bit to you. What that means when the Bible talks about eternal life here, eternal life is more than the new birth. It's a quality of life. It says lay hold of it. It's a quality of life. And eternal life is the end result of our salvation. The end result of our salvation. In the Bible, salvation comes from the Greek word soteria. Salvation comes from the word soteria. And that means deliverance, safety, Preservation, healing, soundness, and health. In other words, everything you need to live a good life on earth is included in your salvation. And the number one thing, though, is the eternal life in your spirit to go to heaven. That's the number one thing. Because it would be a shame to live a long time, have all the money you ever wanted. Never be sick or dead in your life and then die and not go to heaven. That would be terrible. So the number one ingredient of salvation, soteria, is born again, eternal life in your spirit. But deliverance, lay hold of your deliverance, he says. Lay hold of eternal life. You have to fight the good fight of faith to grab a hold of deliverance. There's too many Christians addicted to too many things. Amen. And that's what I want to look at. Is you fight the good fight of faith, you can grab a hold of your deliverance. What do you need delivered from? Well, 
Let me tell you this. Too many people need delivered a bucket mouth. Gossip. Talking about people. Saying things they shouldn't say. And all the goofy stuff. And let me tell you, if you're not, if you're not careful, that gets on you. And next thing you know, you're talking about family people. You're talking about what all they did, what all they didn't do, how stupid they are, how this, how that, how this, how that. That gets on you and you've got, you've got to be delivered from gossip. You got to be delivered from bad mouthing people and looking at bad things about people. You know, I was looking at John 13, 34 and 35 this morning in my own devotion time. And Jesus said we're supposed to love one another as he loves us. And he said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And so we as Christians have to have our guard up. We don't let things get on us because it's around us. It takes faith to do that. Amen. And so, you know, those Christians need delivered from sexual perversion. They need delivered from that. It's all around us. I mean, man, you're watching TV and... You know, all of a sudden you got two or three halfway naked ladies out there dancing across the screen. You think, what is this, man? What I turned into? And all they're doing is trying to sell a box of cereal. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> or a car or something like that. And so all the time the guard has to be up that those things don't get on us. And, you know, I think about this deliver safety, preservation, etc. Safety. There's too many Christians that are afraid to fly on an airplane. Too many Christians afraid to fly on an airplane. God will deliver you from that fear. For us, we, we went to that funeral last week 3,000 miles from here. We'd still be driving to get back if we hadn't flown out there. Get ready to go see our daughter up in Alaska. How many know if you have uh, daughters that have babies, it's nice for dad and mom to come to see the daughter and the babies. If we had to drive to Alaska, we probably wouldn't see you until Christmas time. We can't be afraid to fly on airplanes and be efficient for God. God will deliver you from fear. That's part of your laying hold of soteria, of laying hold of eternal life. God wants you free to do. God wants you free to go. God wants you freed to be able to live a joyful Christian life. That's what God wants. God, God wants people out there that have all these phobias and fears and all that kind of stuff be able to come up to you and ask you, how come you're not afraid? And you'd be able to tell them, I used to be afraid. Oh, I used to be deathly afraid of what you're afraid of. But you know what? I come to find out that Jesus delivered me from fear. I come to find out Jesus, in John 10, 10 said that he didn't give me the spirit of fear. The thief come to still kill, destroy. But Jesus come to me to have and enjoy life. And so I've decided if Jesus wants me to enjoy life, I'm going to enjoy life. And you fight the good fight of faith to do that. So anyway, that's what he means to lay hold of eternal life. You have to fight the good fight of faith to lay hold of all that God has for you. And so to enjoy soteria, you must actively fight the good fight of faith. You must actively fight the good fight of faith. Not actively fighting politicians. Actively fighting people that wrong you, but actively fight the good fight of faith. And just throw one in that. You just write down with that concerning the people thing. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says that faith worketh by love. And so you need to love people and fight the good fight of faith. 
Now, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17. In fighting the good fight of faith. You've got to get a hold of this verse. This verse needs to be one of your main verses. Is your spiritual concordance. What's your spiritual concordance? That's the word of God you have hidden in your heart. That you need to break up when you need it to be able to speak it. Romans ten seventeen, in fighting the good fight of faith says this. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't fight the faith unless you have faith. And, you know, I think about, uh, you know, like I said, we watch a lot of cowboy shows. And so I've noticed in cowboy shows that if they come out to a gunfight and they pull the gun out and somebody took their bullets out, they don't know it, they go click, click, click. And if in the gunfight somebody else has bullets in their gun, they go bang, bang, bang. And the one that's got the bang, he's the one that wins. And so fighting the good fight of faith, since it cometh by hearing, if you have no hearing to the word of God, you have no bullets in your gun. And when you come to fight the good fight of faith, all you're going is click, click, click. And the enemy of your faith is going to overcome you because you just click and you're not loaded. And you know, I just want to say, oh, I, I said something a while ago. I want to say it again. If you don't own a real Bible, you need to buy a real Bible. We sell some Bibles at our bookstore, which is by faith right now because it's not here. But we sell Bibles at our faith bookstore. And there's lots of places online you can get really good deals on Bibles. But you need to own a real Bible you can look at with your eyes. Pardon me? And you can write in it too. Because she said so. (laughs) We write in ours. Anyway... For the first time in my life, I experienced being at a service with a phone for a Bible, and I personally didn't like it. We went to pick up Joe down at San Diego on Wednesday night, so he wasn't in our church. Well, it's Wednesday night. I like to be on church no matter where I'm at. It's a church night. So we went to one of our sister churches down at San Diego, and because we wasn't planning on staying there that night, his plane came in three hours late. We was planning on going down, coming back, and so I praise God I had some clothes on that day. Usually I've been wearing... The heat shorts and sandal things, you know, what do you call those? Katie okay, told me what I can't call them. I forgot what I can't call them. Flip-flops. Flip-flops. Back in the 50s, we called them something else, but we can't call them that now. So anyway, I was wearing my flip-flops. And right before we got in the car to go to San Diego, I said, you know what? I want to put some decent clothes on. I was like, well, there's some good clothes. So I put regular clothes on. And I'm glad because the pastors recognized us and put us up in the front row. <laughs> And I knew they'd do that, but I didn't know I was going to church before I got there. And so he starts quoting a bunch of verses, and she looks at me and says, we don't have a Bible. I said, wait a minute, I'm going to do what some of our people do. I pulled my phone out. And so I started looking at it, and what I did, I thought, this is very uncomfortable. Because when I pull out a Bible that has all the verses for lots of chapters, all right there, Things jump out of me all over the whole page there. I said, man, I'm limited just look at this right here. All I see is this few little things right here. This is not really helping me like it could. Amen. And so I'm just suggesting to you for your faith, you know, I know that a lot, a lot of preachers now use little iPad stuff like that, which is fine, I guess. But for me personally, I like to look at a Bible. I like to be able, because I write little notes by the Bible. I'll be sitting at a service like this, and somebody will say something that jumps off at me. Well, I'll take my red ink and my yellow marker. I'll circle that verse. I'll put yellow through it. And then what they said, 
I'll write down in two or three or four words right beside it. And that will minister to me every time I see it. And you can't do that on something else anyway. That's Praise the Lord. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And you know, I like to point this out. You notice it doesn't say faith cometh by praying. How many know that praying is a very essential part of a Christian life? But if you don't have any word foundation in you, chances are you're not praying in faith. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so you need not to pray in faith. And you know, the Bible teaches about the prayer of faith. Well, every prayer we pray is not the prayer of faith. But every prayer should be prayed in faith. So I want to say that again. Every prayer we pray is not the prayer of faith. There's a prayer of worship. Hey, man, there's a prayer of thanksgiving. Lots of prayers, but every prayer that we pray should be in faith. If we're worshiping, we should worship in faith. If we're, if we're thinking, we should think in faith. Whatever we're doing, it should always be in faith. Faith only comes by hearing, so faith doesn't come by praying, but praying is right. You know, it doesn't say faith cometh by testifying. Revelation twelve eleven says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So testimonies are very awesome. Every Sunday night right here, if you come to this church on Sunday night, you hear lots of testimonies. People come up, they line up and give faith testimonies on Sunday nights. It's really awesome. But all that does is inspires you to want to do what they did to have that testimony, but doesn't give you faith. It'll inspire your faith, but doesn't give you faith. And so faith cometh by what? Hearing, hearing what? The Word of God. And so we as believers, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we're going to, have to be serious students of the Word. If we're going to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And so you must discipline yourself to be a lifelong student of the Bible if you want to win the battles of life. And now I want to look at how to fight the good fight of faith. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I think the book of Ephesians is my favorite book of the whole Bible, especially in the New Testament. But I love the book of Ephesians. It's so good. But Ephesians 6 Verse 10 through 12, and, and this, this passage here talks about the armor of God, and you know, with all the different military people we have in the church, and I've got a lot of my family, sons-in-laws and grandson and son, army, marines, and the different things. I know that uh, for, for a while back when the war really got hot in the Middle East a few years ago, there was a big deal about body armor, about our, our soldiers, our military have to get their own body armor and those things, and Parents of people try to get things to it and protect them. Well, that's what Paul's talking about here, the body armor back then of soldiers in the military to be able to protect themselves. Because somebody's trying to throw something to hurt you or, or mess with you. It's nice to have something to stop it from coming at you to get you. Well, he's talking about the spiritual armor, the armor of God. That's what this passage goes into because we need armor in the spirit to fight a spiritual warfare. And so, you know, with modern times, it's so easy to identify what armor is because of what all goes on. And all you guys work out the Marine base and put all the extra protection on the extra, what, do you, what do you call those things, Robert? Those, those, those armored vehicles you guys do out there? Anyway, they put all the extra. Know what I'm saying? 
When we first went over there, they had those improvised explosive devices. They were blowing our stuff up from the bottom. So we put that extra armored plate. They brought it back out places like this. Put that extra metal that thick on the bottom of it. So if something blew up, it would deflect it and wouldn't hurt it. Because missiles were flying. Well, Ephesians chapter 6, that's what he's talking about here. There's fiery darts of the wicked one that flies and comes your way and tries to hurt you as believers. So he's telling you here how to stop those things from hurting you in your life because what starts in the spirit is up in the natural. If you get blow, if you have a spiritual blowout, it's going to affect your whole life. And so if you're protecting the spirit, then your life's going to be protected. And so that's what he's talking about here. So Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in your might. Be positive minded. Anything you think you can do, you can do. Well, if there wasn't an enemy in the faith, that would be so true. But there's an enemy in the faith and just being a positive thinker doesn't win spiritual battles. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, when I see that, what jumps off of me is that, be strong in the Lord. Have me know that in the beginning was the Word, the Word's with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the book of Revelation, it says His name is the Word of God. So if we're going to be strong in the Lord, it means we're going to be strong in the Word. Amen. And the power of His might. I think about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost come upon you. And so... To be strong in the Word and strong in the Holy Ghost. Amen. To be victorious Christians, you've got to be strong in the Word and strong in the Spirit. It says, put on the whole armor of God. They may be able, you may be able to stand against the wiles. Or the Greek says, the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil. In our lives, we have to know there's a spiritual world and there's a natural world. He says... In verse 12, he says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And you know, for, for military things here, he's talking about different ranks of demon powers. Principalities is the lowest level of demon there is. That's the little demons that buzz around like little flies that just pest you all the time and try to throw little uh, thoughts at you and things. And powers is the next order of demons right above them. And then rulers of the darkness of this world. Rulers of the darkness of this world. Uh, when I was in Bible school years and years ago, Lester Summerall was one of my Bible school teachers and he really walked in a lot of revelation, a lot of things just... In his life that he taught the word of God that he lived was so good. But I learned something back then that's been invaluable to me about spiritual things. As you come into cities or even neighborhoods, you pick up what the ruling spirit is around there. And I'm not getting spooky about these things. Some people really go off the deep end. But we have to understand there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and demon spirits. How many can tell when you walk into a church if the Holy Spirit's there or not? How many can tell if you walk into somebody's house if it's a Christian house, the Holy Spirit's there, pieces there, good things. Well, as you come into cities, sometimes or a neighborhood, all of a sudden, you'll feel yourself overwhelmed with fear. You'll want to lock your car doors. You want to roll your windows up. And you want to get through there as fast as you can 
Because there's some ruling things over that area right there for murder and gangs and thugs and killing and bad things. Or you roll to another city and you'll come into an area and all of a sudden you're getting nasty thoughts come to your head. And you're just getting sexual perverse things. And you'll, you'll, all of a sudden you'll see a neighborhood full of XXX, X-rated videos, adult stores and things like that. Because there's things that are ruling that city. And then you get to some areas of the country, there's ruling spirits of greed, of money-hungry things. And things that are just beyond the ordinary of what you think about wealth is. It's just the greedy spirit there in New York City, parts of New York City. That's one of those places there where those ruling things there control things there. And so that's what's about the rulers of the darkness of this world. There's things out there that sometimes you get places and God may have you assigned to a job or something like that. And you have to know you've got to take authority over some things. Or things start controlling you and change your way of thinking, your way of life. And see, that's what he's telling you right here. We're showing you how to fight the good fight of faith. He wouldn't tell us to fight unless there was an enemy. You don't fight if everything's good. You only fight if things are out there against you. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. And so... Spiritual wickedness in high places, that's the level of things up above us. That's above all those evil things. But remember this, Jesus defeated those spirits years ago, and we have authority over them. And something that Dr. Summerall used to say, he said when he would teach on things concerning spiritual warfare, he said people get mad at him and say, well, he's glorified the devil. He said, I want to tell you something. I'm not glorifying the devil. I'm exposing the devil. Because too many Christians don't know what's going on out there. And so they just go along. They can't understand how come they keep getting defeated. How come they keep falling for the same things over and over again. If the Bible teaches it, we've got to teach it. If the Bible tells us what it is, then we've got to know what it is. But then we've got to know what to do about it too. And that's what we're talking about today. Too many of your lives... Or ended in disaster time after time again because you don't know how to fight the good fight of faith. And so that's what we want to teach you is how to fight the good fight of faith. And so he tells us we have these different, these different spiritual things out there. And so we gotta, we gotta know we live in a physical world, but it's controlled from an unseen spiritual world. We live in a physical world, but it's controlled from things in the spiritual world. I want you to notice verse 17. You're going through the armor here. It gets down to this part here. Take the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth. In your heart and in your mouth. The Word of God to be effective has to be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. This isn't the sword of the Spirit. This is the Holy Written Word of God. But when the Holy Written Word of God gets off those pages, into your mind, into your heart, and when it gets into your heart, that comes out of your mouth, it's alive and full of power. When it comes out of your mouth, it can do some damage to Satan's kingdom. When the Word of God comes out of your mouth, that's that living sword. The Word of God in your heart and in your mouth 
is your most effective weapon in spiritual warfare. Amen. You've got to see that. You've got to know that. There's a saying the Lord gave me years ago, I like to say, and I wrote it down there for you. Talk about this unseen world. Is this. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. And you know, I'll give you a real good example like that. How many here used to be a sinner? (laughs) How many here used to be somebody that had no eternal life in them. Well, back before you were born again, was it hard to lie? It wasn't hard to lie. Was it hard to cuss? It wasn't hard to cuss. Was it hard to cheat if you get by with it? It wasn't hard to cheat because you didn't have the Spirit of God living in you. But when you, the day that you heard about Jesus and you were serious... And you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. Jesus, I need you. I want you. Lord, forgive me. When you prayed that prayer, something took place in the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, in fact, you have to tell anybody. People noticed. Well, Norma's not cussing anymore. (laughs) But you know what I noticed? Dennis is a whole lot nicer guy than he used to be. How come Dennis is so nice? And all of a sudden, it, in a business deal, instead of trying to take advantage of the person you're working with, I said, I can't believe that. That's that guy that I bought that car off of last year. And I know he's lied to me, cheated. And this year he told me, no, wait a minute, I can't take that much. This car is only worth this much. Do I, no, that'd be wrong to take that off of you. Just pay me this much. Well, people's actions on the outside change when the spiritual things change on the inside. The spiritual will determine the natural, good or bad. And let me tell you something on the, on the, on the flip side of that. If you at one time were an on fire for Jesus Christian, every time the church doors opened, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings, Saturday stuff, you was the first one there. You said, well, we should get her to lock the doors. I want to get in there. And every time, every time they had a special offer, said, man, I want to give, I want to give, I want to give. Every time they said, we need some help. Whatever, you said, hey, I want to help. I want to help. You're walking close to Jesus and you're excited. But then all of a sudden, the things in the world start drawing you again. You start going back the other way. And, you know, nobody backslides all at once. It's a process. All of a sudden, well, we're just too busy for church today, guys. We've got to have a break. And then when it comes down to doing all the fun things of life, you get a second wind. You're not home taking a break. You're out playing. You're out doing things. It takes a whole lot more energy than sitting in a seat reading the Bible. And you, isn't that a funny thing? But you know what that is? That's a spiritual warfare going on. The devil puts oppression and things on you. To pull you away from the things of God. And then once you get away, he takes that off and you got energy again. And all of a sudden you can run and think, man, I can work 20 hours a day. Oh, man, I love this. I can go. I can do it. And all the energy you got, it comes time for a church service. i got to rest. Well, once the bell chimes, that church started, 
You don't got to rest anymore. You got energy again. The spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. We've got to recognize there's things going on out there. And we don't know how to deal with them and fight the good fight of faith. Satan's going to steal from you. He's going to eat your lunch. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Anybody get anything out of this? Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. And verse 9, these are so real. The Bible, whatever the Bible says the same thing over and over in multiple places, we need to take heed because that's the Spirit of God wanting to talk to us. Verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, that woman you married. <laughs> Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your teenage sons and daughters. No. It says, because your adversary, the devil, the devil is your spiritual enemy. He says, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for people that don't know how to fight the good fight of faith. He's looking for people that are ignorant of the power that's behind the name of Jesus. People that are ignorant of the cleansing, sanctifying power of the blood of Jesus. People that are ignorant of what took place at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Jesus totally defeated the devil 2,000 years ago. He gave us the victory, but... We have got to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of the victory he gave us. And that's what he's saying. Be sober, be vigilant. One of Satan's greatest enemies to your faith is ignorance of God's word. Ignorance of God's word. You know, there's a bumper sticker. It used to be popular back in Indiana. I don't know if they got them out here. I've never seen them. But anyway, it used to say this on a bumper sticker. I saw a lot of cars out there. I don't get mad. I get even. That is ignorance going to seed for Christians to ever think that way. Jesus talked so much about forgiveness, about love. He said, forgive, you'll be forgiven. And I think about the parable Pastor Dave taught about a couple weeks ago that uh, talked about, he said, he said, a man was forgiven a debt. Jesus said this, of like in modern terms, a million dollars. And then he had some little guy owed him a dollar. He wouldn't forgive the dollars worth of debt had the man put in prison. Over a dollar, well, he just got forgiven a million dollars. And so then when his Lord found out about it, he got put in prison then. And so the whole thing, what that says is this. When you refuse to forgive somebody that's done you wrong, or maybe they didn't really do you wrong, but the devil lied to you and told, they, told you they did you wrong, whatever you think you're not forgiving somebody else, you're the ones in prison. That's ignorance. That's ignorance to ever be a person that holds grudges. And you know, Romans 5, 5 says we have the love of God in our hearts. And so because we have the love of God in our hearts, we can forgive by faith. We can forgive people by faith that have wronged us. 
But I like to do it this way. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not going to keep setting myself up to keep getting taken advantage of. I mean, man, if every time I turn around, somebody's going to hit me in the nose, I'm going to turn around and go the other way. I don't like to get hit. Or if every time I turn around, somebody's stealing from me. Every time I lay my billfold down, they're taking my money. I'm going to keep my billfold closed. And so we don't keep opening the door for people to hurt us. But at the same time, if they do, we've got to forgive them, forget it, and let it go, and pray for them. Amen. That's so why he says here, be so vigilant because the devil's your adversary, seeking whom he may devour. Now look at this. Whom resists steadfast in the faith. And the Greek, that literally says, steadfast with your own faith. If you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you have to know how to resist steadfast with your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. I'll never forget, back in 1981, I was ministering to a guy in the Monroe County Jail down in Bloomington, Indiana. And I couldn't go back to his cell. They had him isolated. I had to speak through bars, so I got to preach to the whole jail, just talk to the guy. But he was a new Christian. I led him to the Lord, back to the bars. And uh, I started ministering him about the value of the Word of God. And I read this verse to him. It says, the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren in the world. And the Lord said this. He said, there's two kinds of Christians. Either in the word or in the world. They straddle the fence. He didn't say these things are accomplished in Christians that are in the word. He said these things are accomplished in Christians that are in the world. Jesus said we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And so to function effectively in this world, we've got to be in the word to change this world. And so he said the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren than in the world... Because if you're going to resist steadfast with your faith, how does faith cometh? By hearing. That means you're going to be resisted steadfast by hearing. And hearing. And hearing. Because if you don't, you're not going to have any faith to resist with. So he says, Satan is walking around as a roaring lion, seeking to be made to fire. You know who he's going to, you know who he's going to take advantage of? The ones that are sporadic in their church attendance. The ones that when you ask them, have you got a Bible? They say, well, i got one somewhere. Here, let me see if I can find it. And they have to go looking. I'll tell you what, I heard Brother Copeland say years ago, I'd rather walk out of my house without my pants on without my Bible. Well, I know what he meant by that. I got a hold of that. I always have the Word of God close at hand. I've got it in my heart and in my mouth. But if I'm out someplace and I need to help somebody else, I can tell them what the Bible says. But I'd rather open the Bible and show them what the Bible says. Amen. And so it says right here that Satan's the enemy. It says your enemy is the devil. And it says you must resist the devil steadfast with your faith. And that word resist right there, I wrote this down, means this. The quality of not yielding to force or external pressure. The quality of not yielding. To force or external pressure. Doesn't mean there's not pressures coming at you. But it says we can resist with our faith and not have to yield to those pressures. It means the power to act in opposition to the impulse or pressure of another. The power, the ability to not, to not yield to it. To oppose what's coming against you. He says, we are the ones 
They can resist with our faith. And so I want to say it again. If you're going to resist steadfast to the faith, that means you're going to be steadfast to the word of God. And if your if your word level is low, your faith fighting ability is low. If your word level is low, then your faith fighting ability is low. And you know, I want you to notice, let's turn, turn to James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. But I want you to notice, as we look at these passages, and you know, this, this, this may be a light bulb coming on in your spiritual head, but did you notice that nowhere does the Bible say, ask Jesus to do something about the devil? It says, we're the ones do the resisting. We're the ones that don't give place to him. We're the ones that say no to the devil and yes to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, he gave us his name to use, but he broke the power of the devil. But it's up to us to use that name. Now notice James 4, verse 7. He says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. There it is again. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. What does he do? Flee from you. Somebody said, well, I tried that. You don't try it, you do it. You don't try it, you do it. And then says, uh, he flees from you. And then somebody else said, well, I don't feel like he did. I don't feel like I've saved a lot of times either. But the Bible says I am, so I am. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm blessed. But the Bible says I'm blessed, so I'm blessed. Well, I don't feel like the devil flees. What's it got to do with feelings? The Bible says you resist him, he flees. I want to say that again. The Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees from you. Is the Bible true or not? Amen. It doesn't say if you feel like it. You know, I think about the story again about, about, about a policeman and authority. Has anybody here, here ever seen a little bitty lady policeman about this tall? Got the badge on right there. You can see it. And there's a great big 80,000-pound semi coming at her in traffic. She just holds that. And that truck driver <laughs> stops. That woman did not have the natural strength to stop that truck. That bad said she had the authority to stop it. She wasn't strong in her strength. She was strong in her authority given her by the government. And if she held that hand up, people would stop. And if they didn't stop, she got the little thing on her shoulder and she says, Code one, need help. And immediately reinforcements come in. And if they need more help, code one, need help, more reinforcement. In other words, however much power is needed to take care of the situation, it'll show up because of the authority given them. When we say, Satan, in Jesus' name, I bind you. That's not the strength of Mike doing that. He's got the badge of authority he's wearing. It's called the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. And you know what? When Jesus defeated Satan, 
Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Jesus annihilated him. He stripped him of his authority. Says he destroyed his ability to hurt mankind. But we're the ones have to use our authority. Say, Satan, you stop right there. In Jesus' name, I resist you. And our angels are right there with us. Do what they got to do. And then Satan remembers what happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus took his authority away. And however much spiritual power is needed necessary, then the angels come in. The Spirit of God's moving. And did I feel like it? Well, I don't know if you know it or not, but the Bible says every one of us has angels assigned to us. And I don't feel any angels right now. I don't see any angels right now, but you know what I know? I did get to see mine back in 1980. And I was talking to the Lord about that the other day. I don't go around trying to conjure up things from the Spirit. But in 1980, Jesus let my angel appear to me for a few seconds and I've never forgot it. It's huge, big, awesome. He's with me everywhere I go. And all the other angels with me. And so I know that when Jesus said, you submit yourself to God, resist the devil... The devil's not leaving from messing with me because of me. If I speak the name of Jesus, i got a big badge right there. And it says, I belong to Jesus. You can't touch me. And so I want to tell you again, the Bible says you resist him with your faith. Your faith is not in you and how good you are. Your faith is in Jesus and how big he is. Amen. Give the Lord another hand. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, what I want you to see here is this. It says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. That means our faith walk begins with Jesus. He gives us faith. And he's the one that develops our faith. As we look to him, our faith works. And so Jesus is the one that gives us our faith, helps us grow. And so Jesus is our example of how to fight the good fight of faith. And so since he's our example, I'm going to look at one, one last passage here and show you how this works in, if, in real day, everyday life for a believer, because Jesus is our example. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And wouldn't you know that Jesus is our example? And Jesus said many things for us to live by. He said, the works that I do, would you do also? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so Paul learned what he learned from Jesus. And so I've learned what I've learned from Jesus. And people teaching me about Jesus so this passage right here, we're talking about how to fight the good fight of faith, how to resist the devil and see him flee from us. And the best example I know is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so as we look at this right here, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Jesus was led by the Spirit into some hard places. You know that sometimes in your life, the Holy Spirit's going to get you to the places you don't want to be in. So you can prove your faith. There are going to be some jobs you get on. Man, I'll tell you what, back when I was a truck driver, I worked with some real, 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 whoo, pieces of art. 
Man, some of the bosses I had before, some of the fellow truck drivers I had, if you're the Army, the Marines, or something like that, sometimes I've heard some stories, you get some sergeants and people like that, you think, man, and if you're a sergeant, you might be one of those guys. I don't know. But the thing is, sometimes personalities clash. You get around people in situations you wish you weren't in. Well, Jesus was led by the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit of God leads you places you don't want to be in. And what I found out on some of the jobs, there's a couple of things that took place in my life when I was led to places and people I didn't want to be at. Number one, it caused me to want to pray more. It caused me to want to love more. Caused me to worship Jesus more, to get out of where I was, and then also it caused me to be a better witness to those guys around me because my light so shined among men that they glorified my Father in heaven. So if God has led you in a place in life right now in your job or somewhere else, don't complain. Praise. Thank you. Look to him. Amen. And so he's led the spirit to the wilderness. He fasted 40 days and nights. his hunger. Now look at this. And when the tempter came, Satan is the tempter, not Jesus. When the tempter came, he said, if thou be the son of God. And right before this, in verse 17, the last chapter, God just spoke out loud for the whole world to see. This is my beloved son. And so Jesus got a fresh word from God. And the first thing Satan does is brings doubt to him. You get a word from God. The devil's going to tell you, has God really said you get that promotion? Has God really said you're supposed to live in this house? Has God really said this is supposed to be your husband? This is supposed to be your wife? When God speaks things to you, Satan's going to come and say, if, if thou be the son of God, command thee still to be made bread. And he answered and said, Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus immediately quoted the word of God from the Old Testament. He didn't debate the devil. He didn't ponder. I wonder if God really meant that about me. I wonder if I really am the son of God. I wonder, I wonder, what he said, no, Satan, it is written. It is written. And then notice verse 6. And the devil said to him, if thou be the son of God, still try to get the doubt going. He says, cast thyself down. And then the devil's trying to take the word of God out of context and quote it back to Jesus. He said, for it is written, he'll give his angel charge concerning thee. In their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time thou dast thy foot against a stone. But Jesus said unto him, it is written. Jesus knew the word of God. He resisted the devil with the word of God said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, quoting the Bible. And then notice again in verse 9, that the devil tempted Jesus still said, and saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And then said Jesus unto him, get thee hit, Satan, for it is written, if Jesus is our example of how to fight the good fight of faith, we are going to put some it is written in our spiritual gun. We're going to have some bullets. We're going to have some scriptures in our heart and in our mouth. He says, it is written, thou shalt, it, it, it is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. Him only shall thou serve. And so what I believe with you is this. The devil always tries to get you to doubt God's word. He always tries to get you to doubt. 
And Jesus always resisted the devil with the word of God. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And so Jesus had sufficient word of God in his heart, in his thinking, in his mouth. He knew what to shoot when it was time to shoot it. And so we as believers, if we want to win in spiritual warfare and fight the good fight of faith, we've got to train ourselves to resist the devil of speaking the word of God out loud. And according to the word of God, he must flee. Amen. 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 So I hope you got something out of this today. Live by this. Walk by this. And the next time the doubts come, if you don't know what to shoot, use the name of Jesus and then purpose to find out verses from the Bible that the next time he comes, you can say, it is written, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It is written, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. It is written, I traded my child the way should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. It is written, I have forgiven, so I'm forgiven. you got to find out verses for you, and then you shoot those out of your mouth. And when you do, Bible says he flees. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.